probably several. Well, here's some numbers for you. 216. Okay, got that number? Plus 432. Plus 150. They're like, oh, what was the first one? <clears throat> plus 75. I got a total. Math. You didn't know he's, I'll give you the answer. 873. 873. What in the world is that? If there was a negative in number in front of it, that'd be my bank account, but it's it's not. <laughs> 873. That is rough, rough estimate. This this the first two numbers I'm really solid on. The next two numbers I kind of estimated. That is how many times I have stood in front of someone at this church and either preached a message, taught a lesson, a devotion, or something like that. That's just four years. Think of these... Pre uh, Jason Crawford, uh, his father-in-law, they're celebrating, I forget when it is, his 40th year pastoring at their church. And I thought, man, alive. Take Multiply that by 10. <clears throat> Yeah, that's a lot. So eight, 870 roughly just at this church. Like why, why am I bringing that up? You'll see here when we get to Second Peter chapter number 1. I gave Cody the verses. We're going to begin in uh, uh, verse number 12 is where we're taking off. Let's, let's pray before we do and, and pray for these folks out on the roads and then we'll get going. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. Uh, we pray for the, the fire trucks and ambulances that have gone out this morning. Pray for those that are... Uh, uh, on these slick roads, and uh, Lord, we pray for those that are traveling this morning. We just ask you to keep them safe, and those that are sick, we ask you to heal them. And uh, Lord, we just uh, we pray for ourselves here as well. We just pray that your spirit would move in this place. Uh, Lord, pray for the message, and uh, pray for the fellowship to follow. And Lord, we give this service to you. Uh, Lord, pray that it would bring you glory and honor and everything that's said and done, and I uh, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So 2 Peter chapter number 1, I've got the 2 Peter down, does anybody notice that? I've been practicing all week. <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 12, wherefore, what is that? Somebody told me a long time ago that when you see wherefore in the Bible, you're supposed to look at what, what it's there for, right? Wherefore, it's kind of a change in thought. So Peter is going on to say wherefore, because of what he's getting ready to tell us, ties into what he's been telling us. Make sense? So what he's been telling us is us as Christians, it's our uh, <clears throat> mathematical success equation that he's been giving us for the past couple, couple weeks, really, um, because he said uh, that to our faith. Uh, actually, it began even before that. He said grace and peace in our lives, we need to do these things. Is, is anybody interested? Some grace and some peace in our lives. I'm interested in that. Grace and peace is like delightful. I'm very interested in grace and peace. <clears throat> so in order for us to have grace and peace in our lives, he says to do this, to add to our faith. Uh, where's our mathematical equation here? It is uh, to add to our faith. Uh, virtue and to add to our virtue knowledge and to add to our knowledge temperance and to add to our temperance patience and to add to our patience godliness and to add to our godliness brotherly kindness and add to our brotherly kindness charity. So that is, that is the successful formula for a successful Christian life. And um, 
I'm here to tell you that is one of those ongoing mathematical problems that will never be finished. It's an infinity because we just need to keep adding to them. We'll, we'll never be like what my phone says when I get to where I'm going, you have arrived. We'll, we'll never arrive. <clears throat> we'll, we'll, never, we'll never say done, total. Well, I guess when you croak, that's when the total button, you can hit it. So uh, that's part of our ongoing Christian life is just to keep continually to add to those things. But remember that word that he used a couple times with that was diligently. Do your very best. Every aspect of your life should be focused on this. And, and if we diligently add to these things, then we'll have a successful Christian, Christian life. So we spent a couple weeks on that. <clears throat> so verse number 12, he begins, wherefore? And because of that is what I'm getting ready to tell you. He says, wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Now, does that kind of make sense on why I gave you that 216 plus 400 plus? Does that kind of make sense now why? Because sometimes I feel... I think it's impossible to feel, and I've, I've heard other preachers say this. I think it's Im almost impossible sometimes to get up in front of you 873 times and not sound like a broken record. <laughs> Does anybody think I sound like a broken record? Let's be honest. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I, I, have a, I feel like a broken record because I, wanna I want to bring something fresh. I mean, I know how hard it is to get, Drag your hind end out of bed on a cold Sunday morning, right? <clears throat> Drag the kids out, throw them in the car, fighting and yelling and screaming the whole way. That's what we did at our house this morning. That's what we did at our house this morning, didn't we? <clears throat> That's what we did at our house this morning. Couldn't find my Bible. I threw a holy fit. Like, where's my Bible? Who touched my Bible? Who moved my Bible? If there wasn't so much junk around here, I could find my Bible. And that was our fit getting to church this morning. And Christy says, I think it's on the counter at church. I, it's not. I don't ever leave my Bible behind. <laughs> and you're like, if you'd read it, you'd know where it was at. I've got plenty of them. <laughs> it's my church Bible. It's, I, I, I use it at church. Uh, so it was on the counter when we walked in this morning. <laughs> so I know how fun it is to get here. We, I understand. I totally understand how fun it is to get here sometimes. And, and I, I understand that schedules need to be changed and, and I... It, I know the devil will be fighting you the whole way you get here. And for you to come here and then go, that was a rerun, that was a repeat, I ain't get nothing out of that, blah, blah, blah. I don't want that to happen. Now, sometimes we can do that, and it's our own backslidden condition. It doesn't have anything to do with the message, me, God, or anybody but you. Sometimes that happens. I've been there. I've had that happen before. I've gone to church, should have stayed home, I ain't get a thing out of that. I've done that. I've said that. Sometimes I've brought messages like I should have just stayed home. I didn't learn a thing this week. <laughs> but we, we come to these doors and I'm your preacher and I want to, I, I, know what it, I know what it takes to get here. You could have went anywhere this morning. I, I realize that. And when you come here, I want you to learn, I want, I want the Lord to feed you. And, and that should be my focus week in and week out. When you come here, I want to, what Peter, what Peter say to me? Feed the flock of God. When, when you come here, you should be fed. And then you should take that feed home. <laughs> I was talking to 
Wade this week, uh, or actually it was last Sunday school, talking about what animals they could eat and what animals they couldn't eat. And uh, I think it was your kids, actually. I think it was Ethan. I said, choose their cud. And he goes, what's a cud? I said, oh, dear, this is going to be fun. <laughs> they uh, regurgitate it, and they chew on it some more, and then they swallow. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty gross, right? Really gross to think about. So when you leave here, <laughs> you're supposed to chew the cud that I bring you. Regurgitate it, chew on it some more, and then ingest it. Not literally. <laughs> but that's, that's what you're supposed to do. And that's what I do. I do that all week. I, I have already read what we're talking about next week already this week. And when we walk out these doors this week, i got to try to get this message out of my head, and then I just I chew that cud all week long. I just regurgitate it, and I, I try to get some more nutrition out of it. That's why animals do that. They eat it real quick, and then they regurgitate it. And they, you know, that, we, we have our Bible reading calendar downstairs, and, and I, I was thinking about that this week. I don't know if I've ever really, we've, we've never really promoted, I guess. I guess that's the word. Promoted that. We have this year, and it's important for every Christian to read when you say amen. Oh, thank you. I think it's important for every Christian to read their Bible. But I noticed when I've done that before is I, I get the calendar. So this is a warning. Don't just do this. Get the calendar out. Okay, it's, it's, this is the 29th. Is this 29th, 20th, 30th, whatever it is. <clears throat> got to read these two chapters and these two and a Proverbs and I'm done. If we're not careful, we just get busy and we'll just do that. And you've read four chapters, five chapters or whatever your program is, three chapters, and you just read it to do it, and you go on with it. And for me, now I'm going through the calendar this year, but me personally, on my personal study time, is I will read the Bible randomly, and it's not for everybody, and until something catches me. And then I just stop, and I chew the cud on that. I just... I just think about it. I, I regurgitate it. Or I might hit play on my phone and listen to it, and then I'll say, where's that at? I'm going to look at that when I get home or when I slow down. And then I, I just regurgitate it. I, I chew on that. So that is my goal for you when I come here to bring you something to regurgitate and to chew on and to think about all week. Why? Because your knowledge of God, the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, will bring you grace and peace. See how that works? And I realized this week, and I, and I have that constant in my in my in the back of my mind. You've said that before. You've said this before. You sound like a broken record. You've already taught on this. You've already, and just this week, my dad. Now they're in Florida doing who knows what, <laughs> but they're in Florida. And, and just this week, we left church uh, last Sunday night, and he said. Well, learn something tonight, church. And <laughs> when you're 72, whatever, Baptist born, Baptist forever, Dad says, I learned something. I'm like, oh, yeah, what was that? Dad. Never heard you say that. And he is the one that has sat in that seat all but about maybe two of those. <laughs> and that made me realize, don't worry about being a broken record. Don't worry about it. We all read different parts of Scripture and pick things out sometimes. We all listen to songs and it'll pick things different. We, how many times is, what, what, what's your favorite song, Willie? 
Ooh, I'll put you on the spot. He's like, oh, Christian song, Christian song. <laughs> oh, which one? Uh, all my rowdy friends are, no, 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 no. <laughs> all right, I'm just, I won't put you on the spot like that. Amazing grace. Kesa, she, we got somebody spiritual in here. <laughs> but but you listen to that over and over and over. out of it, all, different all the time. You, you know, you might have a favorite chapter in the Bible and something will just hit you one time. So, Look what Peter's saying. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. And I thought this week, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about being a broken record. Don't, don't worry about saying something multiple times. I think where I got this, this, this is going to be kind of a laid back, just a family message today. <laughs> I, I called this guy's birthday a couple weeks ago. He's He's... Just that guy, he calls me online. I'm like, oh, okay, i got to remember Howard's birthday. <laughs> Christy will remind me, it's Howard's birthday. Did you call him? Oh, i, I got to call him. But I would sit next to him in church sometimes, and what he would do is in his Bible is, we'd op- let's say we'd open our text to Second Peter. I'm, I'm going to call him and remind him that he does this and that it made a stumbling block for me. But it, let's say the preacher would say, open your Bibles to Second Peter chapter number 1, and he'd be sitting next to me, and he'd go, <laughs> what was he doing? He wrote down every time that preacher preached from that passage of Scripture. And I thought, okay, mental note, when you're a preacher, don't ever preach out of the same chapter twice. Isn't that dumb? <laughs> Isn't that dumb? And, and I think that's, that's just part of wanting to bring something fresh, fresh and new every, every week. Isn't, it, isn't that right? Do you, do you know how many messages there are on there are millions, millions of messages that have been preached all throughout the Bible. Do you know how many messages there are yet to be preached, new, brand new and fresh out of this Bible? Many, many more. Many more. I, I don't know the half of it. I don't know anybody that knows the half of it. it. The way I look at it is while I'm studying, if I don't get something fresh and new every once in a while, then it must be my heart's not in the right spot. That's the way I look at it. If I'm studying and I don't get excited every once in a while and pick something out, <clears throat> regurgitate on something and go, mm, wow, I didn't taste that the first time. Isn't that gross? But wow, look, look at that. That's something fresh and new. Then, then there must be something wrong with my heart. I must not be in tune with the Lord. I must not be listening to Him. So Peter says, and I should take this same train of thought, I won't neglect to always bring these things in remembrance. If I sound like a broken record, am I right? And sometimes I know I sound like a broken record when I say a sacrifice. And you could all probably say, what is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is the innocent dying for the guilty. We we all know that. What is the gospel? The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel according to Scripture. And whereby believing in this, you must be saved. That's the gospel. I, those, I don't mind being broken records on those because that's, that's kind of not just reiterating it to us, but so that someone, if they, says, if they ask you, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, you need to be saved. What does, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? Well, it's that you believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what it is. So I should not neglect to always put you in remembrance of these things. Even if I do sound like a broken record after 800 and 
73 different times up at bat. And hey, maybe my batting average is down in the 200s. I don't know. I'm sure it's probably less than that. But I should never worry about bringing you into remembrance of these things. I, I shouldn't worry about sounding like a broken record. Now, Christy says some of my stories and illustrations sometimes get that way. But I've said under preachers that have had jokes that get that way. And you better believe that, that you get tired of hearing the same jokes over and over and over again. So I try not to, to bore you with my, my story. Uh, so establishing you the present truth. Let's look at verse number 13. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. What tabernacle is he talking about? He's, he's not talking about the tabernacle out in the wilderness. He's talking about his body. As long as he's in that body, that he'll not stop sounding like a broken record. Have you noticed how similar 1 Peter and 2 Peter is sounding? Have you ever read through a Paul's epistles and it's, it's, they, they, sound, they have the same pattern to them? That's, that's the pattern of Scripture. That is the truth of Scripture is being regurgitated to us through the Bible. It's, uh, it's there. Let's look at verse number 14. And, and this is uh, <laughs> the older I get, the more remembrance I am. Knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle. I'm not 40 yet. Cody is really concerned uh, the big 30. I mean, that was like... I'm, I'm just, uh, what is this? Is this? This is January. I'm just like eight short months away from being 40. Wow. But my wife is only just two short months away from being 40. And I can say that because she's not in here. <laughs> Woo! <sighs> I think that's when a lot of people have their midlife crisis. Is that right? When, uh, when you start getting up slower and you start getting down slower and you look in the mirror and you're like nobody told me that that hair was going to keep growing and this wasn't a am I right I a buddy of mine this week is talking about bathrooms done all but putting the mirror in it and, and I said I'm not real big on mirrors it just breaks down myself <laughs> I don't spend a whole lot of time in front of the mirror and when I do I'm looking at myself and I think man you're getting old. Has anybody seen those pictures of presidents like when they go in they, and then they come out and they're, you're like, wow, that was only four years or that was only eight years. And, but it's because they're old when they go in. <laughs> it, it goes downhill fast, doesn't it? And as most of you, well, I don't know. I think I'm about in, the, about in the middle of this crowd, aren't I? I'm probably right in the middle. So some of you are probably have a really good idea like, this thing's going really fast and then every time I make an old joke Stephen and Valerie they just giggle and look at each other because they're still so young and vibrant but you'll get there really really quick Evan pushed me down this week pushed me pushed me down and I have gimped and hobbled around to where last night do you know what my wife said she said why don't you take a bath I said I haven't taken a bath since I was a kid guess who took a bath last night guess who felt better after he got out of the bath this guy We've used our tub. Actually, it's the first time I've used the tub at our house. First time ever. We've got a, one of them tubs in the corner, you know. First time I ever used one in the corner. It's only the third time I've used, so it's not just me. But 
Uh, I thought about that. It, yes, it's a heart-shaped tub. <laughs> uh, I didn't buy the tub, <laughs> but uh, I, what was I doing? I was I had a buddy of mine over there when I was doing the drywall, and I was up in the corner, and or I had him up in the corner. He was standing the drywall up in the corner, and he turned around and stepped down off the tub, and he said, "Oh, you have a heart-shaped tub." I said, "What?" I said, are you kidding me? It's heart-shaped tub. It's not red, by the way. It's white. But it is heart-shaped, so whatever engineer thought that that would be funny, it's not all that funny because you don't realize it's a heart-shaped until you get it put in place and it's there. And Anyway, yes, in my tub <laughs> that's been used three times, and I got out and I said, oh, wow, I, I do feel better. I, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. Getting old. And when I read this, that knowing that shortly I must put off my tabernacle, that, that time's coming. Forty. But hey, you know what? That goes for all of us. Isn't that the truth? Shortly. You, you might be, what are you, Stephen, 20? You're not that young. <laughs> you might be 23 years old and think you're really young, got your whole life ahead of you. Nope, nope, it's, it's a fourth spent. <laughs> you're getting there. Just like, here's, here's a broken record, like my good friend Don Wells says, life's just like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. And, and that's the truth. It seems like it's, it's almost February already. I, it just seemed like we were having fall day out back. Doesn't, doesn't it just seem like we were having fall day? I noticed the other day I put on Facebook, it's 610 and it's still light outside. It just feels like we're going into winter, but thank the Lord we're coming out of it. So, I mean, life is flying fast and I think when you when you're younger when you're in your 20s or 30s you think oh, I got plenty of time I got plenty of life ahead of me I thought that I got I got plenty of time to get this straightened out you get around like knocking on the door 40 and you're like whoa we better get this thing figured out we were like supposed to be thinking about retirement about right now we were supposed to have this right now we were supposed to have it all together right now we got a long way to go before we get it all together we better hurry this thing up <laughs> and that's what Peter is reminding me of, knowing that shortly I'm, I must put off this tabernacle. What does that tell me? Get at it. Get at it. That's what Peter's saying. Hey, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, that means that we just have a little bit of time here. And when we're in eternity, eternity and we look at this time that we think is a lifetime, we're going to say, wow, that was just like a dream. And I didn't get near accomplished what I thought I would get accomplished. I, I'm afraid that this, when I, you know, like we talked about last week, when I make my entrance into heaven, has anybody ever just lounged around like on a rainy Saturday? Anybody just, you just, you're like, I'm not doing anything tomorrow. It's raining. I don't have anything to do. I'm just going to hang out all day. Has anybody ever done that? It gets about 5 o'clock. What do you start thinking? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, for, for me it gets about five o'clock and I'm like I have this has been a waste I've got nothing done today I haven't got anything accomplished today not gotten anything done that was me last Saturday Christy was gone I'm like we're just gonna we're just gonna veg out we're not gonna do anything she's not here to make us do anything <laughs> we're not gonna do anything the kids need a break and and I kind of just said, hey, clean this a little bit, clean that, we'll be in good shape. 
they didn't do it, but I, I sig politely suggested it. And we didn't do much, and it got to about, I don't know, 3 or 4 o'clock, and I started feeling like, <sighs> we ain't getting nothing done today. Here we had this perfect opportunity to do this or do that while Mommy was gone and make her happy when, we get, when she got back, and we did this, and here it is, 3 o'clock, and we've not gotten anything done. My attitude kind of changed the rest of the day, didn't it? Like, what? come on, we got to get this done. We got, I just I felt like we've wasted the day. Anybody, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody, do you, we kind of feel guilty, like, I'm not getting anything done today. And you feel, like, remorseful or regretful and, like, ah, I'm not going to do that again. We're going to get, we're going to get at it. I mean, sometimes we need a little bit of day to recoup and, you know, it's all right. But if you're like me, you still feel a little guilty, like, I'm getting nothing done today. What a waste. Wouldn't it be a shame to make your entrance into heaven and have that same feeling about your life? Like, oh, what a waste. I ain't getting nothing done. That was, I would like, I'd love to go back and do it. I mean, about 3 o'clock on that Saturday, you're like, man, I wish I could just get up again and start over. Anybody been like that? I had this to do, this to do, this to do. I ain't getting done. What a waste. Wasted of the day. Man, I don't want to make my entrance into heaven and think, oh, I wish I could go back and do my life over again. I didn't get this done. I didn't get that done. I just lounged around. And I didn't get this and that done. What's Peter reminding us of? Knowing this shortly, we're going to put this old tabernacle off. We're going to leave this flesh behind that we worry about, oh, it hurts today, I just take it easy, or, oh, I'm just depressed, and I don't feel like dealing with that. And Hey, we don't have a whole lot of time to get these things figured out. If I were to make a, a modern translation of the Bible, I would word it like this. Hey, buttercup, suck it up, you're going to die. <laughs> That'd be a good modern translation, wouldn't it? Hey, buttercup, suck it up, you're going to die. Our Lord Jesus Christ has shown us this. He's, he's made it real to us. He knows us this. Get busy adding to your faith virtue, temperance, all this stuff. Get busy getting at it. Don't just put it off. Hey, get busy at doing what God wants us to do. That is good, solid preaching. Somebody should have said amen right there. Hey, there you go. <clears throat> Yea, I think it me as long as I am in the tabernacle to stir you up, putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. Moreover, what does that word moreover mean? It's one of these great words that, that if you just do a moreover study Bible, a word in the Bible, moreover, Moreover, hmm. And remember, this is the same conversation. We've got a, uh, we, well, we don't have a chapter division. We've got all these verse divisions. But this is the same conversation. I think what we've studied out of Second Peter is pretty important so far, wouldn't, you, wouldn't we all agree? It's pretty important stuff. But Peter pauses and says, moreover. Moreover what? Moreover, everything that I've just been telling you for the last however many weeks we've been here, this is more important. What? Moreover? Moreover, brethren, this is important stuff. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. What does that mean? So Peter is saying, moreover, all this stuff, the importance of it, the importance of the fact of everything that he's been teaching us is that long after he's gone, we don't have to have him there reminding us of that. 
what's good? That we'll automatically know. That the broken record can stop. So if something happens to me this week, I croak. I could, I'm 40, almost 40, you know. <laughs> or get hit or blown up or whatever it is. Hey, hopefully the broken record has stuck. And hey, whatever it may be, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. And, and we have a little bit of a special occasion with Peter because why? <laughs> we have those things in remembrance right here in our hands. We have everything that he's told us. Moreover, more, more important than his words is where his words are recorded. Moreover, the importance is right here in our lap. We have more than him, more than just this church reading it for the first time. We have it right here in our lap. Man, we're still running behind. <clears throat> um, look at this, verse number 16. We're kind of shifting gears here, but this is still this moreover. Moreover, all of that says, For we have not followed cunningly divisive fables, when we made known unto you that the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Think about that. That we have not followed fairy tales. Um, I didn't realize, I think, I, I know, I've been on Facebook for a couple of years now, but you know, I, I follow a lot of news and so forth like that. And whenever the religious article and you go down in the comments or whatever it is or uh, I'm thinking the most recently um, people were saying uh, like pray for Florida or pray for whoever and then you go down in the comment section and it's inevitably that it seems like about 50% of the comments will say shame on you for believing some fairy tale in the sky. Anybody seen those comments and stuff like that know what I'm talking about? And that just like hurts my heart because man has made so many off-the-wall, radical fairy tales about so forth and this, that, and the other that we've almost put that idea of supernatural, miraculous things in that fairy tale realm. And we've separated Christianity from science so much that we've pulled the church away from science so much and science is looked at so much as fact, and the church is fooled away from that, so we no, we no longer have fact. We've made that distinction so broad. Is anybody ever kind of following me? Am I, am I losing you? I'm not sound like a broken record, am I? <laughs> because the church has pulled so far away from science, and we've segregated ourselves so much from that because of, because of evolution and all that junk. Well, no, we have, the, we have the author of science right in our laps. I recently uh, heard this that, uh, what's his name, Ray Comfort, I think it was. Ray Comfort was going around to atheists and he would hand them a book. And uh, he, he asked these atheists if that book just happened, just popped into existence. And the atheists would say, no, somebody, somebody made the book. And then he would go on to say, well, do you know what DNA is? And they would say, yeah, it's blah, blah, blah. And they'd give them the technical information. And he said, it's a book. It, it, it's a it's a base of knowledge. It's written in book form, and, they, and we even read it in letters. It's a book. So how did it just come about? And they'll stand there and go, yeah. <laughs> we have that. We have that knowledge. We live in a day to where the knowledge, man's knowledge of God's creation is 
more than it's been in recent memory, maybe before the flood. So we have an understanding now that will help us to bring these things into knowledge and know that it's not just fairy tales. To know that it's fact and to know that it's basic and to know that some things we don't understand, they're not fairy tales, they're supernatural. What does that word supernatural mean? It's nature. <laughs> like only Jesus Christ being raised from the dead, that's supernatural. That, that doesn't just happen. A fat guy coming down your chimney and bringing you presents, that's not supernatural. What's our ages in here? Am I going to offend anybody by saying that's fairy tales? <laughs> that's fairy tales. Why it brings tooth, he comes in, he says, what's the trick to getting teeth out again? <laughs> I said, you twist it like a screw. Okay, he comes back in later with it. So, if, I mean, if you've got a kid that's playing with a tooth, just say, twist it like a screw. So he comes back in, and uh, he holds it out like this to Christy, and she says, well, you want the, fairy, the tooth fairy to take care of it? And he, and he said, there's no tooth fairy. She gets in her nightstand and gives him a quarter. <laughs> so much easier that way. <laughs> but we, we don't believe in, in fairy tales, and we don't, we don't believe in uh, fables and cunning fables no we have the very word of God and in fact what's so special special about true Christianity and what's so special about the Bible is that we're told to search it and to see whether these things be so what does that mean like what does it mean to search something out like if your boss comes to your desk and says we got some staplers missing well, you do? <laughs> really? Huh, I'll keep an eye out for them. What is it? You, you don't want him to search it. But if you have nothing to hide, we've got some staplers missing, you start slinging out drawers. Ain't this one, is it? Ain't this one, is it? Ain't this one, is it? Don't look at my trunk, but you can look at my desk. <laughs> hey, th that's what we have in Christianity. Hey, search it. Check it out for yourselves. If, if, if God had something to find, if we had something to hide... You wouldn't want people to search it out. You, you wouldn't want people to ask questions. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want people to look because if you look hard enough, you'll find the truth. That's the difference between cults and pure Christianity. So, <clears throat> for we have not followed cunning, divisive fables when we made unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What does that mean? Peter was there. He saw Jesus Christ. He walked with him for three and a half years. You know, we, we have acquaintances. Anybody have like friends you've been friends with for more than three years? And how many of you have been with your spouse for three and a half years? Who, who do you know better? <laughs> your spouse, right? Because you're with them all day and all like you two. I think you two pointing out. They work together every day. They go to church together every Sunday. How well do you think you know each other? Because they're with each other all the time. A lot of times that's a benefit. Do you know why a lot of marriages don't make it? Is because they don't know one another. They don't spend enough time with one another. They, they, she works here, he works here, they go to the kids' ball game there, and they call that an outing, and they don't ever communicate, they don't talk, and they hang out with their buddies, and she goes shopping with the girls, and they just don't spend any time together. It's not healthy. Hey, 
when you're together that much, you, you know everything about that person. You know the good points, and <laughs> you know what you don't quite so much care about. <laughs> but Peter was in that type of relationship with Jesus Christ for three and a half years. They were together all day, every day, with no TV, no Facebook, no computers, no kids, no distractions, just those dudes going everywhere. Do you think he knew Jesus pretty good? I always kind of found it remarkable that you go on a fishing trip with a, with a guy for, say, five days, or go hunting with a guy for five days. You learn a lot about a guy in five days, especially if you're on a boat. Hunting, not so much, but you go fishing with a guy for five days. You go fishing every day for five days, and you cook every night and you smell their smells after you cook and you get to know a lot about a guy in five days <clears throat> that's the way peter was with jesus he's he said hey there's no fooling he's the real deal i spent three and a half years with him that jesus is the real cat <clears throat> and what does he have to benefit by lying to us his life <laughs> his life do you do you think did Peter just die? We haven't even got to this, but did Peter just die of a ripe old happy age and just like peaceably go off to sleep? No, he was crucified for his testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what he had to risk. It would have been easier for him to not lie if he did not, if he had just said, and he'd have went back to the boat. He probably could have died an old guy just peaceable death and not had turmoil and persecution and, and all the junk that was coming at him. He could have just went back to his boat. John, let's go, go fishing again and just lived out the rest of his life if he wanted to live a lie, but he couldn't live a lie. He had to witness testimony of, and tell us of the testimony and the majesty and the eyewitness of Jesus Christ. Get this, verse number 17. For he received from God <clears throat> ooh, honor and glory. Now I want you to think back, I don't know, it's... Gosh, this is back about Christmas, I think. Before Christmas, we talked about the glory of God, and we should have probably spent a couple more weeks there talking about the glory of God. But when Peter brings up this word glory of God I, I, in this second letter, I want you to look at what he thinks about. <clears throat> From the Father, on in glory, when there came such a voice to him, from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What's he talking about? He's talking about when he first saw Jesus Christ. What do they say about first impressions? They're everything. His first impression of Jesus Christ was this. Who's this guy that John the Baptist is arguing with about being baptized? Remember, John the Baptist baptized people in the Jordan, and he was, people would just make a trip down to the river to see who John was baptizing. Hey, let's go see who John's baptizing today. Let's see how many people there are today. Because John was baptizing people to prepare them for Jesus Christ. And here comes Jesus Christ on the river. And John says, mm-mm, not me. I'm not baptizing. I'm not worthy to baptize. I'm not even worthy to untie your shoes. And Jesus said, God, uh, he said uh, that God commanded to forbear me, uh, John. And he goes down the river. And Jesus is baptized, and then that glorious, honorable voice from heaven said, Behold, my son, in whom I am well pleased. I've preached on that before. I've pictured that in my mind. But I don't think until this week I realized how much that stuck with Peter. I've preached it like this. They probably said, Whoa, what was that? 
whoa, that didn't happen, the guy before that. Hey, Peter knew when he heard that voice who it was. And he perceived the glory that was, and the honor that was just bestowed upon Jesus Christ. <laughs> that stuck with him. Hey, when Peter goes, hey, Peter, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He goes, you got it. I saw what happened last week. I'm with you. Three and a half years later, you guys think you can go fishing with somebody for three and a half years and not get in the spat? <laughs> you think you could maybe keep that relationship going after three and a half years of day in, day out, sleeping under a tree with them, wherever, out in the wilderness, eating together, all that? Hey, after Jesus Christ's resurrection, Peter was still his guy. That's not natural. That's supernatural. And Peter remembered back to his first impression of Jesus Christ. When that honor and glory was bestowed upon Jesus, Peter said, I'll follow him anywhere. Hey, when did you and I first see that honor and glory of Jesus Christ? It was when we got saved. That's, that's when we realized the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Shouldn't we have the same attitude as Peter? I'll follow that guy anywhere. I know what he did for me. He changed my life. He forgave my sins. He promised he'd never leave me, and I'm not going to leave him. That's exactly how we should be. And then when we realize that moreover my life is fleeting fast and I'm going to leave his tabernacle, and when I get to heaven in my entrance and I don't want to look back and go, I wish I could do that over, I, I, I think that's how probably a lot of us feel up to this point, don't we? That if we were to make our entrance into heaven this afternoon, we stood there would we go, oh, I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back. I wonder how many people have got to heaven and asked that question. Not so that they could, you know, not so that they could go back to be with their loved ones or not so that they could go back to pet the cat one last time or whatever. I think they just be like, ah, I, I, I want to go back and make my life count. Hmm. My wife gets on me all the time for saying I should have. I wish I would have. And I think that's like me saying, stop doing that. <laughs> Just a, a quiet little subtle voice that she has. No, she says, I hate it when you say I should have. Quit saying I should have and just do it. <laughs> I, I don't want to get to heaven and make my entrance and go, oh, I should have done more. Oh, I wish I would have done this. Oh, I wish I would have mended that. I, I wish I would have fixed this. I wish I would have done better there. I wish I, I, mm, I, I don't want to be that guy. I want to realize that my life in this tabernacle is not promised and that everything that we do for Jesus Christ will last and the things that we don't do for Jesus Christ will be burned with unquenchable fire. Am I right? How, how hard is it? It's a yawny amen, but I'll take it. <laughs> how, how, do, do we ever think about that? Like what we do for eternity is the only thing that will last. Hey, our, our, our family and our loved ones are involved with that eternity. That, that's what's important. Hey, our, our friendships and our acquaintances that we meet, those will last for eternity. Our job... Mm, not so much. Our bills? Yeah, let's just quit paying our bills. That, that, that don't matter. <laughs> that, that'll be burned up with unquenchable fire, that credit card or that house payment. Or, uh, see what I mean? We need to work for the Lord and heartily. <clears throat> um, I think, is there one more verse, Cody? 
Yes, verse number 18. The, the important part. <laughs> and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him on the holy <clears throat> mount. Peter was one of the select few disciples that, were, that was on the, we call it the Mount of Transfiguration when, he took, when Jesus took him up on that mount to just show him a little more glory. Just a little more glory. Just to see God and Jesus Christ in his glory. Just, just a little bit more eyewitness. And that stuck with Peter. That stuck with Peter. And here he is. He's writing this and he said, Hey, I saw, I saw that voice. I heard that voice. That was God. I know it. And he said, Behold, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Yeah, I know it. And, and I was on the mountain with him. And he, he's mentioned this other times too. I was on that holy mount with him. Yeah. Uh, I kind of feel like maybe Peter had this same broken record. I wonder how many times he told that story to his buddies. Well, when I was down to Jordan that one day, Jesus was baptized and there he was. I, that would probably be one of those broken record stories you, nobody would care, that they would hear it again. Tell me about that again. What, what was that like again? When you saw the glory of God, if that was you, do you think, do you think your friends would ever get tired of hearing it? <clears throat> Let me tell you about when I saw the glory of Jesus Christ. We were down at the river, and there I was. <laughs> there I was. There he was. There was John the Baptist. The, he goes underwater. He comes back up, and a voice from heaven says, Behold, my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. That was one time. The next time we were up on a mountain, there was Elijah. There was Jesus. There was me. There was the glory shining down from heaven, and I heard that same voice again. Behold, this is my beloved son. Let me tell you about that. That's the glory of God that we saw. You'd tell that over and over and over, wouldn't you? How many times have you told somebody about your salvation experience? Including myself. <clears throat> has anybody ever seen that movie, Sheffy? We're going to watch that one Sunday here. We're going to watch Sheffy one Sunday night. <clears throat> it's, it's an old movie. And Sheffy's a preacher. And, and uh, I, I, gosh, it's been so long since I've watched it. I can't. <clears throat> he, he said... This is what he said. They said, Brother Sheffield, we don't know how that you've served the Lord so much as you have over the years. You've seen it, Stephen. And he said, I just give a little word of encouragement and give my testimony. That was, that's Sheffy's ministry. That was, that was Sheffy's ministry. I just tell him my testimony, a little word of encouragement. It goes a long way. And I thought, <clears throat> family service here, we got, we got five minutes. My broken record that you've probably heard me tell stories and jokes and illustrations and verses over and over <clears throat> how many in here know how and when I was saved oh, wow <laughs> thank you Peter for bringing this up to my remembrance <clears throat> really I've told it in here before <laughs> you'd just be like my dad I just didn't hear you <laughs> we wasn't there that week <clears throat> I grew up in a Baptist church whole life. I always remember being in that Baptist church and we had one of those old fundamental half legalistic Baptist churches and we had a invitation every needed or not and hurry up and come down quick because the restaurants are getting busy one of those type. I mean it wasn't Pentecostal invitation where you know somebody got up and you're like why did you do that five minutes ago? <laughs> I mean, it was quick, couple verses and out, but every service. And I can remember standing there at eight years old 
standing there under conviction, needing to get saved. Because I almost had it programmed in me because every time we had a service, there was an invitation at every service, and I almost intuitively had it programmed in my mind that the only way I could get saved was if I went down front. Does that kind of make you know now why we don't have invitations every service? There's a reason. <clears throat> and why I say you can get saved right there at your seat. We don't have to have a piano. You can get saved in your pickup on the way to work. You can get saved anywhere. Because I had that in my head that in order for me to get saved, i got to wait till that piano plays and i got to go down front. And at eight years, eight years old, I would stand back there under conviction of shame. Oh, I've been going to this, whole, this church my whole life. I should, I should be saved by now. If I go down there, they're going to think, that little Jackson boy, he should have been saved years ago. That was the conviction that I had at eight years old. <clears throat> One day, my dad's sitting in the recliner reading the newspaper, and he goes, hey, boy, you want to go to camp? I say, here, you can go to a camp for two cans of soup. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <clears throat> I said, what kind of camp? Eight years old. I don't know. It looks like a camp down there at Camp Schwaniki. Schwan, whatever it is, down there in Schwan, this camp, two cans of soup and you go to camp. <laughs> so we went, he, this was back, I don't even know, I think we filled out a paper or something. Filled it out, said, my son's coming to your camp. So it, we go to camp, he drops me off with a backpack and two cans of soup. <laughs> I got my two cans of soup, I give them to whoever and they were gone already. Christy says, I can't believe how your parents treated you kids. They'd do that, didn't they? There you go. I mean, they'd make you grow up fast. <laughs> I can talk about them. They're not here. I'd say that if they were here, they know it. Uh, so drop me off, have my two cans of soup in my bag. I went to this big shelter, and there, was, there were uh, guys there that were from Australia. And when you've never heard, when you're eight years old and you've never heard anybody from Australia speak, they might as well have been speaking Korean. And they kept asking me the same thing over and over again, and I couldn't understand him to save my life. They probably thought I was special needs kid, like put him in the little cabin because I couldn't understand a word he was saying. So finally, they brought somebody else over, and, and all he was asking was my name and age. <laughs> so we get to the cabin, and lo and behold, the foreigner that I couldn't understand just because he talked like a crocodile hunter was my counselor. <laughs> And I was already thinking, I can't understand a word this guy's saying. Well, by the end of the week, we became pretty good buds, and I can understand him pretty good. Last night of that camp, this was, this was a Salvation Army camp at Camp Swanakee. The cabin is still there. We had our Blood Brothers thing. I walked by the cabin. I'm now nine years old. This is the week of my birthday. The last night at camp, we were all laying on our bunks, and that Australian guy got all us boys, lighted out, quieted down, and he said, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. I knew everything there was about Jesus Christ. I could have probably filled him in a little bit. And then he said this. He said, right there in your bunks, if you want to ask God to save you, he'll save you right where you're at. He said, would anybody be interested in that? In that half-dim lit room, my little hand stuck up just like that from my bunk. And he said, anybody else? And there's a couple other boys in there, eight, nine years old boys. And he said, all you have to do is ask God to forgive you, and he'll save you right where you're at. He said, how do you do that? The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So right there at my bunk, laying on my back, I out loud said, God, would you save me? And he said, that's it, son. That's it, mate. That's it, mate. 
That's my testimony. That's my salvation experience. I was ashamed, I was embarrassed, and I was scared at eight years old. I went to some camp with some stranger that I didn't know and asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and save me. That's simple. And it's changed me forever. If I backslidden, oh yeah. But that day did I experience the glory of God? Yep. And it's never left me. And I, to my shame, I've never told you that. All the broken records I've broken in here, and not a one of you knew how. Your preacher might have been lost. You had no idea. I could have been fake. I could have been a foundrel, a, a scoundrel. You didn't know. But at nine years old, the, the day after my birthday, August 17th, whatever year that would have been, I got saved right there on a bunk, and some Australian guy led me to Jesus Christ. It's that easy. It's that simple. It was nothing I did. He, didn't, he gave me the flat gospel. It was that simple. There was a little bit of heresy that was involved after that, but I got that. He said, you might want to do that from time to time again. You don't have to do it from time to time again. And you know what? That's sad because, yeah, from time to time again, I would do that after that point. Every time I sinned, I'd ask God to save me again until I finally realized from Scripture and was taught that you don't have to do that again. <clears throat> just once. God will save you just once. And it was that simple. I can remember where that bunk bed was at, the position it was at. There was a little knee wall next to it. And that Australian guy talking that four days earlier, I couldn't understand that he was trying to ask me my age and my birth date. <clears throat> <laughs> by the way, funny story because of that. Because I couldn't understand what he was asking, my age and birthday, my birthday was that week, and because I didn't tell him, nobody would believe me. Oh, talk about crushing an eight-year-old when nobody would believe it was your birthday because it's not my book, not your birthday. <laughs> but the day after my birthday, August 17th, I got saved by that guy that we became buds, and I could understand him clearer and crisper than any preacher I'd ever heard in my life. Isn't that amazing? That's miraculous. That is the glory of God. Hey, let me tell you this. If you're in here this morning and you're not saved, we don't have a piano. We don't have an invitation every service. Am I against them? Absolutely not. Kind of now maybe understand why we don't have them every time, though, don't you? Because I don't want you to think that you have to come forward to get saved. Is it a good idea? Oh, yeah, the Bible says to humble yourself. I don't think there's anything more humbling than coming up while everybody's watching. But you know what? I don't think Peter did that. I don't think the great white throne judgment is going to be like, everybody close your head, bow your eyes, and we're going to play some music, nobody looking around. Evan, you come up here, we're going to... No, it, ain't, it doesn't work that way. It, it's all brought out in the open. Amen? Hey, we're not going to have a visita visitation. We're not going to have invitation, but I'm telling you this, that the only way you can be saved is by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Your sins are forgiven. It's a gift. All you have to do is receive it. Amen? Amen. So let's pray, and we'll get out of here. Sound good?